Today's guest, Dr. Melina Jampolis, has a podcast of her own called Practically Healthy, and we named the episode Practically Healthy, and why am I so obsessed with Practically Healthy? Because it's a fantastic way to sum up exactly what we are trying to get across within our direction, not perfection community. We have to be practical within our health choices if we ever want a fighting chance to maintain our health habits lifelong. And we will never fully achieve this so-called perfect diet, but we can get practically there. Are you intrigued? Stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I want to change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction, Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. Welcome to episode 150, Practically Healthy with Dr. Melina Jampolis. We get to celebrate 150 episodes with Dr. Melina. She is an internist and board-certified physician nutrition specialist, one of only several hundred practicing in the United States. She has authored five books. She's a speaker and frequent media contributor. Melina is the past president of the National Board of Physician Nutrition Specialists and remains on the board of directors. For the past 20 plus years, she has specialized exclusively in nutrition for weight loss, disease prevention, and treatment. She is currently the chief nutrition officer for BLK Water and a member of the Forbes Health Advisory Board. She recently launched a new podcast, Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina, and I really want my listeners to hear this. Melina's frequent and ongoing interaction with patients, along with a regular review of the latest scientific research and growing field of precision nutrition, gives Melina a unique insight into every aspect of lifestyle medicine, including nutrition, weight loss, exercise, psychology, and the behaviors that are essential to achieving that optimal health that we are all seeking. So it may sound like we are in for a college lecture today and that the conversation might be so deep that it's over our head. However, I promise this is not the case and it's exactly what I love about Melina. Yes, she is research sound, but she's a blast and fantastically practical for every person just seeking better health. I am thrilled to introduce you to Dr. Melina Jimpolis. We have a topic today that is going to resonate with our listeners. I know this 100%. The smallest changes can add up to optimize your health and well-being. And everyone knows that I shout this at the top of my lungs every day, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Slow and steady wins the race. And Melina, I'm just so thrilled to have some somebody else, another professional, come on so I can shush and you can explain why this means so much in your world. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yes. So can you just back us up a little bit? What is your profession? How did you get started? Why are you here today in more of like a weight (laughs) management setting? Sure. I'm a physician, so I'm a medical doctor. I actually finished my residency and training in internal medicine in 1999, and I worked for about six months as a practicing internist. And I realized that all I was doing all day, every day was putting patients on medications for diabetes, for high blood pressure, for high cholesterol that I felt really could be addressed differently. So after six months and seven years of training and taking all the exams, I actually took a brief, I left, I left medicine in general to go into research for a couple of years because I was just really disheartened by how medicine was practiced, you know, even back then, 21 years ago. I actually ended up having a kind of a light bulb moment during that time where I got a part-time job at a weight loss clinic in San Francisco. I had this realization that I could do a lot more good in, in what I wanted to do in medicine, which was helping people by going into weight management. However, weight management wasn't everything, right? And, and unfortunately then, and even now, 20 plus years later, physicians aren't trained in nutrition, but I did not want to go the route of just putting people on pills and shakes to lose weight and not really teaching them how to eat correctly um, and, and manage their appetite a little bit more naturally, organically. So I started studying nutrition. There wasn't any path for physicians at the time. There still isn't. I read textbooks. I went to conferences. I did everything I could. And that's when my journey began in, in both weight management and nutrition. And I became um, one of the first board certified physician nutrition specialists in the country. Um, there's still only a few hundred of us, sadly. And have been really doing this now since, you know, since 2001, before it was cool, um, before all this stuff, you know, before everybody was using the hashtag food is medicine, I was doing it. I was implementing it in my practice uh, on a daily basis. So that's that's a, 20 years later, you know, I did a. Uh, 2004, 2005, I did a TV show for Discovery uh, Fit TV called The Diet Doctor, where we looked at 10 different diets. And I realized that, you know, all diets work for some people some of the time. And, 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 and then I've been, you know, involved as a contributor for CNN since 2008. So really kind of functioning as a journalist and a doctor, practicing physician, which gives me insight into how to communicate with the public, staying up on the latest research and, but still practicing medicine, medical nutrition, and weight management to keep my head in the game because it's a constantly evolving field. And I learn from every single patient. Um, And then, you know, I've written five books and my latest, you know, Spice Up, Live Long is kind of my piece de resistance brings us to the topic of today, which is really, you know, how these small changes can add up over time. Because what I've learned in doing this for 22 years, drastic changes and all the research shows this don't work permanently. They really don't for the majority of people. I mean, there's outliers, of course, that are successful um, if the diet program really works with their lifestyle. But for the rest of us, it's these small, it's the daily slog, you know, and that I have to do too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you do it. I love that you had stated this realistically. You are a mama. You have your own crazy busy going on as well as career. What do you find that are some of your small changes or small things that you can do daily that do feel very realistic within your home and your life? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I have two young boys, seven and 11, and I have a practice and the media's, uh, you know, books. I have like 50 things going on. The more, it's so funny because I saw a po- somebody's post on Instagram. You know, she was talking about her morning routine and it was like meditation and yoga and hot tea with or hot water with lemon and like looking at the birds. And I'm like, oh my God, my morning <laughs> is like yelling at my kids to like get dressed faster, you know, inhaling a protein bar and running out, you know, rushing in traffic to get to the kids to school on time, you know, with the, you know, um, the music blaring. Cause that's, that is one thing for me that makes me happy. So, you know, I'm, I am not that person for those of you who are listening, you know, that has this like perfect idyllic life where, you know, meditation for me is just not really going to happen most of the time. But one of the best things that I, I did, and and this is because I, I was 30 pounds heavier in actually in med school and residency and gained weight during residency because I was in the hospital working crazy hours. And that was, you know, when we thought fat free, everything was good for us. So I was eating like running around eating Twizzlers, you know, and, and bagels with fat free cream cheese, uh, and wondering why I was ballooning up and had no energy. So one of the things that I, I think I've done, cause people ask me a lot what I, I build the infrastructure. So I have a plan A and a plan B for everything. So I have, you know, healthy meals planned and then the backup. If I can make breakfast, if I have time to make a overnight oats or a yogurt parfait, I'll do it. But I have a drawer full of healthy protein bars too. Always have frozen meals. I'm also not good at planning meals. I'm not a really good planner. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of good things that I know I can reach for that work for me, that help fill me up, that are based on the, you know, the concept of, of calorie density, which for me, I'm more of a volume eater. So that's a really important concept for me. I put set, I'm, I'm obsessed with the healing powers of herbs and spices. And I think that's a really low hanging fruit, which is why I've written two books on it. So, you know, I put cinnamon in, but I'm not a great cook. <laughs> I have so many things that I'm not good at. Um, it's amazing that I, you know, maintain a healthy weight. But so I put cinnamon in my coffee every morning. I roast vegetables with herbs, you know, as much as I can. And I'll just throw herbs and spices and everything. So into a box soup, I'll throw a little extra pumpkin spice, you know, into a, a pre-made salad dressing gasp, you know, I'll put some, some thyme or something like that. So, I mean, and then when it comes to movement, I mean, I do have, I don't have a Peloton. I have a regular old spin bike at home that I got during COVID. So I'll try to hop on that, but I'm really about movement. Like I will take any opportunity to stand, to walk five minutes. I mean, in between patients, you will often see me and I'm lucky I live in Los Angeles, but I will, I will go out the front door. I'll tell my staff I'm walking for five minutes. So if my patient comes early, tell them I'm walking, you know, I stand for phone calls when I can. I work on my laptop. I put it on my kitchen counter sometimes just to stand more. So I really do practice what I preach when it comes to small changes, but I'm not perfect. I really, I really am not. I'm, I don't, I eat gluten. I eat sugar. I drink more than a glass of wine on occasion. I mean, I do all the things that everybody online seems to not do. They all seem to be perfect with their habits. I am not perfect by any means, but I am consistent with the small changes. Oh, I'm loving all of this. And I'm right there with you. No one's perfect. And 
everything you're stating goes back to why it's such an individual journey because the things that you're doing work really well for you and they may work really well for somebody else. They may not, you know, and that is, it's okay. And I love, you're just very clear on how you state that. Cause I think that people do feel like they need to be the best cook and they need to be the best organizer and, and be the person meditating and looking at the birds. And for some people, it is golden and it's exactly what works for them, but it's also okay to be running out the door with your bar in your hand sometimes. So love it. Love it. Thank you for shouting all of that out. It just continues to emphasize the point of it is your own journey. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Darn it. (laughs) And that's really, that's one of my passions in nutrition, by the way, is this emerging field of uh, it changes between personalized and precision nutrition. But I think when I when I say personalized, that means I really want to personalize it to your lifestyle. I'm somebody who happens to love exercise and I just, I don't have enough time to do it and to get to the gym and do a full body workout. So And, and I'm somebody, you know, that doesn't cook. I, I'm not a real foodie. You know, I try to personalize everything that I do to the individual and help them find their best path. And then with precision, we're learning more and more about, you know, the genetics and the gut biome and metabolomics and proteomics. On that level, I'm trying to precisely tailor recommendations because guess what? Low carb is not going to work for everybody. Keto is not going to work for everybody. Intermittent fasting isn't going to work. And and there are some some clues to that in your genetics, you know? So I love combining more precise recommendations with more personalized things that you're actually going to do long-term and consistently. Yes. Realistic. It keeps coming back to that, which is huge. So it's interesting. I used to work in surgical weight loss. I also worked at an athletic club nutrition consulting. And so my, my dietetics has kind of brought me across the whole board too. And I, I agree with you. I think that for everyone, something works, but it's about, I always felt like it was about giving the jump start so that like they could feel better, that their knees could feel better, that there, it was less about like what they were doing and more about get better, feel better. And then, and now that you're getting that grace, how can we start implementing those small changes along the way? And and again, you're saying the same thing. There's not, it's very individual and don't look at it as a quick fix. Look at it as a jump start. Bring up an interesting point about that with the jump start. I think that, you know, that's another thing why you know, actual experts, not just, you know, internet experts and Dr. Google really can help the average person because I mean, there, you know, there is a large body of research showing that I, I love that you do jump start because, you know, at the beginning of weight loss, it's going to be different as you go along. So there are studies that show that more success early on predicts longer term success. So, you know, oftentimes I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive the first four to six weeks with patients, you know, not because I want them to eliminate everything from their diet, but because I want them to have that jump start and that feeling better, that experience, having the scale move, because unfortunately we're all married to this scale and, and that I think is not going to go away and maybe isn't the worst thing because at the end of the day, it does give us information. But I think what I try to do too, and I'm sure what you have done in all of your practices, diverse practices, it's not black or white people. It's like they have a switch. They're either on a diet or they're off. So I'll be a little bit more aggressive for the first four to six weeks and then transition into something that's even more realistic and then transition into the maintenance, which is even more livable. But I think, and most people don't understand that journey. It's really in, in phases. And if you don't 
personalize all three of those and also think about those and, and mentally prepare yourself for, you know, the fact that, yeah, it may feel a little bit more restrictive for the first four to six weeks, but that's not going to be permanent. And by the way, if you're somebody who doesn't want to restrict anything and is okay with slow weight loss, let's do that. You know, let's just do lifestyle changes and focus on feeling better and forget the scale. Just try on a pair of jeans. You know, there's so many different ways of doing it. I, I, I'm sure in your experience, you've really developed a lot of tools too. It must be interesting. Yes. I went on this whole journey of wanting to smash scales and I'm still a little there, <laughs> but also realize that there's a place for them. Um, but really building, rewriting the rules to what that success can look like and getting people off of just the scale, you know, making sure that we're really seeing all these other areas that we're succeeding yeah. and acknowledging. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I didn't want to overplay the importance of the scales because I think they can be really, really damaging too. And and that's yeah. another, I think it drives me crazy when, when women, their self-worth is defined by that number every morning. And so that's another area where I personalize it. There are some patients where I say, you are not allowed to get on the scale at home because I have a scale that does body composition only that does fat mass, muscle mass, water weight, bone density. So oftentimes I won't even tell those patients their weight. I will say your muscle went up four tenths of a pound this week and your fat, you know what I mean? Body yeah. composition is definitely key. So I agree with you a hundred percent. The scale I think can be more psychologically damaging, particularly to women. It's a tough balancing act, but it, and it, that's another way where you personalize it. You cannot let that number on the scale define you every morning because it's just going to put you in a bad frame of mind and you're not going to succeed long term. Sorry for the interruption, but we are going to take a quick moment to talk about powerhouse membership. We are quickly approaching 2022 and I don't know about you, but my head is already starting to spin with goals and aspirations for the new year. I also know that life will continue to get in the way of those goals and aspirations if I don't pull in my accountability sources to make it all happen. This is what the powerhouse community is all about. Accountability. The membership is a virtual safe place to set goals, work through barriers, and have one-on-one -on -one professional guidance. In this new year, I will not only be providing a community of support for our members, but there will also be individual coaching sessions. I like to think of it this way. For $80 a month, I not only get a private coaching session, but instead of having time lapse in between those sessions, you will have daily and weekly support through Zoom calls, virtual workouts, a library of recipes, psychology talks, and courses, and let's not forget the social connection and the support that comes from other like-minded individuals working their way through their health journey. And one last reminder that this does not have to be strictly about nutrition and fitness. You can use your powerhouse accountability wherever you need it in your life. Better family flow, home organization, social connection, you name it. For questions or getting signed up for the new year, please visit my website at healthaccountabilitycoach.com. That is healthaccountabilitycoach.com. The link will be in the show notes. And now back to our interview. How do you keep clients long enough to get them through? Because I feel like a lot of people's fall off is they get motivated, they lose the weight, and then all of a sudden their motivation to keep showing up at, at the office or on a Zoom call or whatnot starts to dissipate. And it's like, I feel like that's the most important time in the journey. And it's always the time where the fall off is most likely to happen. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I had a great answer for you. I really do. I, I, I'll be perfectly candid. I, I don't succeed a lot. I think the patients that are intrinsically motivated, um, that really are in a place where this is an important thing for them, whether it's health, a health scare, I have not found any successful tool for retention like that, but I do set the groundwork very early at the first appointment. I, I, I guess I, I, I kind of tease them with how much more I'm going to tell them as they go, you know? Mm -hmm. So even at the first appointment, I, I use a lot of supplements in my practice, but I don't do anything at the first appointment. So I, I say, I want to see what your body does naturally because everybody wants a quick fix, right? They want right. me to give them a pill. They want me to give them a, a magic supplement. I'm constantly kind of laying the groundwork for what's next. Like, Two weeks from now, when I see you again, whether it's Zoom or in person, we're going to talk about bringing this in, or we're going to talk about this challenge that I know you're having, but I want you to, or, or let's try this for two weeks. Let's add this in for two weeks and see how it is now. And when they get to their goal that as they're getting closer, you know, I'm, I'm very, it's, it's a lot of counseling, right? I mean, it, this is where I think weighing yourself regularly does matter when you're at your goal because and, and that's something that I I wrote about in one of my books I have like when you're maintaining which by the way I tell patients from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day just maintain mm -hmm. don't even don't try to don't you know what I mean let's be real about it I think weighing yourself is more important for maintenance and you know if you go two pounds up that's probably just salt or soup. If you go five pounds, then you got to get back on it. And and it, it's just about, you know, really being honest with the advice that this doesn't just go away, um, that like you're at your goal weight and suddenly you can eat whatever you want and not exercise. Like, and I'm also very honest about my journey. You know, people just assume that er erroneously that I'm naturally thin and I don't have to worry about it. I'm like, if I go off for a weekend, if I have pizza with my kids, go to a birthday party and have cake, I feel it on my, I, I don't weigh myself a lot like you, but I know I'm very aware of how my clothes fit. And I have, sure. you know, even how my scrubs fit, I know if they're a little tighter around the midsection, <laughs> especially I'm 51, you know, so I can't get away with what I used to 20 years ago, although I know a lot more. So, um, but I'm very honest with my own struggles and journey because I think they assume that people who are naturally, who are thin are naturally thin and don't have to do much. And I am not that person. So, you know, I'm very open about probably too much. I talk too much about what I do, but you know, that, that it is something that I'm, it's constantly in my awareness. Again, I'm not super strict. I eat bread. I eat sugar. I drink wine um, more than a glass on occasion, a lot more. Uh, you know, I think, I just, it's an ongoing conversation that's reinforced at every visit. And for somebody who's not working with a professional, I mean, I think it's just, you know, being real with yourself that this is why you need to find something livable. And this is why you need to keep focusing on these small things. And I actually have patients, and this is something that anybody can do, 
write down their weekly successes. Like what are the small things that they did on a weekly basis? Really that what worked, what didn't. And so then even if it's just in the note section of your phone, you can refer back to it. I write them down. So when a patient comes in, they always come in. It's like a confessional. I didn't, I ate this, this week. I'm like, I don't want to know what you, what you did wrong first. Let's focus on what you did right. And, and, and I make a note of it in their chart. So then I'll look back like if six months later, when their weight is plateaued or they're regaining. And I'm like, six months ago, you you seem to be doing more, you know, real breakfast at home and that really worked for you. Is there a way we can bring that back in? Or six months ago, you managed to get two days of strength training. What happened? They learn from themselves. You know, they yeah. teach themselves. It's like, oh my God, I forgot I did that six months ago. And I forgot I loved those Trader Joe's meatballs. I've got to go buy them again. Keeping that success journal and successful strategies. I mean, I think is there, you can, you write your own diet book, right? I mean, I never said that before, but that's kind of catchy. I like that. <laughs> I like it too. That should yeah. be your next book. <laughs> I know. Seriously, right? Here's 10 steps to write your own diet book. I'm going to make a note of that. It's recorded. It's, oh, it's perfect. A- right. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it. I'll have it on a loop. <laughs> yes. Perfect. No, I had an interviewed guest one time talking about success leaves clues and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's success leaves clues to our own individual successes. Again, not what is in somebody else's success book. It's what works for us and why it's working. And then just having full expectation that different seasons of life will bring different obstacles. And there's a reason why maybe that's not working anymore. And this is why I love your part of the accountability. They come back and they have somebody to externally talk through. Why is that not working? Okay. And how can we look at it? with our new set of barriers. Great point too. I I just filmed an episode of the doctors over the weekend. And I mean, one of the things that we were doing, you know, they asked me what a health people always ask this, right? What's a good rate of weight loss. And, and sure, I can give you the population based averages, which is one to two pounds a week. Almost nobody falls in that range, right? Because if you're older, you're a woman, you have any thyroid abnormalities, you know, you're, I mean, you're, you're not going to lose two pounds a week consistently. Right. So it's, and that's another reason why the scale can be so damaging, but that even alone, realistic expectations. I mean, when men and women go on diet, husbands and wives at the same time, (laughs) uh, like I thought about a diet and lost five pounds and the women's like, Oh my God, I did everything perfect. And I lost half a pound, you know? So um, it's definitely, (laughs) it's everybody's own journey. And Okay. I have two things and we can't let them go. One is just the accountability piece. And then two, um, I want to talk about women in their fifties, sixties in the weight loss struggle. But first I just want to ask you back to your personal journey, the whole idea that you are maintaining and that I feel like maintenance is the hardest part of this journey. Do you feel like doing your career and your job is the accountability that's really helping you through this part of, of maintenance Yeah, absolutely. I do. Because I I feel like it's my responsibility. And it's I do live with Kelly and Ryan every single January. So like over the holidays, I am definitely not letting loose because I have to stand next to Kelly Ripa every (laughs) single January since I've been doing the show since 2007. I've had to stand next to her since you I mean, pregnant. It was just like, you know, one time it was actually with Regis. We went grocery shopping for the show and I was like four and a half months pregnant and you couldn't really tell except for that I was just 
thicker everywhere. And I kept yeah. trying to get it in. I'm like, well, I'm pregnant, so I'm going to buy these. And they cut every refer reference to pregnancy. And I was like, no, the viewing <laughs> audience has to know that I'm four and a half months pregnant. You know, I'm not just letting myself go. So definitely... I'm held to a different stand. I well, but my own standard. I mean, you know, sure. there's still a lot of doctors. I think it's more doctors. I mean, trainers and dietitians. Well, there's there's dietitians that struggle too, and I and I know it's a struggle, and I know it's hard, and it's not hard for me anymore. I, I really have built the habits, and I really I want to emphasize so much to people listening that I am not extreme in anything that I do. I am consistent. With the small changes, I really mm -hmm. am. I, I should keep an honest journal of what I, you know, eat on a daily basis sometimes because I think, you know, I, I'm I'm also not a BSer. You know, some of these when I look at what these people write that they eat or they post, I'm like, there is no way. Maybe there is. Maybe they're just better than me and you know <laughs> have more free time, but. Even in my free time, I don't want to do a lot of meal prepping and cooking. It's just not my thing, you know? Right. I want to read or be with my kids or walk my dogs. I, I don't want to be in the kitchen. I just don't. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just try to keep it real and keep it consistent. But definitely being on, being on TV. Uh, Zoom is a little different because, like, right now I'm wearing sweats on the bottom. So I could be <laughs> 10 pounds heavier and it'd be fine. Still preparing for having to go back. Uh, and I actually had to do live in person when my new book came out in June. So that was like a, a, a reset, although I was also, you know, training for a triathlon then. So it was good. I looked at... I looked okay next to Kelly. Not great, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, that's quite the pressure going on through the holiday yeah. season. Holy cow. Uh, you mentioning that you do triathlons too. I did find with a lot of my really successful weight loss clients that a lot of them have inserted being, whether that be like a fitness instructor or just something else in their life or doing marathons, triathlons, something that is built into their life. That's a, I show up to it. I have to show up to it. And and then that just, again, it helps with the shift of that lifestyle change. Cause you really, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, yeah. and even, you know, for me though, I get the only thing I get, you know, caveat to that is I see a lot of women training for marathons, gaining weight because yeah. they think that they have earned so many more calories. And so you got to be a little careful with that. If you have the money to pay for a personal trainer showing up for them, but just a walking partner, you know, or get it. That's one of the great things about the pandemic is so many people adopted dogs. And I mean, my dogs are my best walking partner. They never have an excuse. They're always super psyched to go. So, you know, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of money necessarily. And you don't have to start doing triathlons or training for marathons. Like if you want to great, cause it's great to set goals. And like I tell people after my first, I started doing triathlons at 49. That was my first one at 49 years old. So, you know, and it's cool because you don't get medals that often as adults, you know, but I think that also you got to be a little careful training for an event because that's where the on off switch comes because then the event happens and then they're like, oh, I can go back to my old ways and I don't have to train five totally. days a week. And if you keep eating the way you did when you were training five days a week, you're going to regain the weight very quickly. So again, it's this individualized thing. Like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm kind of sad. My triathlon was a few weeks ago and I'm like, it was really nice, like feeling like I had to train, like on my lunch break, I had to do, you know, a 90 minute spin. 
I don't have that drive anymore, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer. Now I'm trying to move on to my next thing. You know, well, now I'm moving on to being next to Kelly in January. So <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite phrases with too much exercise is we cannot out exercise our eating habits, which I'm probably sure you have a lot of those discussions with, with clients as well, but just, it is easy to get in that mentality of just two hours of something. I can have whatever I want you know, weight loss, that's, that's the dirty little secret, right? Is that weight loss, particularly for women is I would say 80 to 90% diet maintenance is 50, 50. So, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. building the foundation that I'm setting is I'm going to push you to get into an exercise routine for, with the goal of helping you maintain the weight, not to help you lose the weight because I think people have very, very unrealistic and and hit TV shows who shall remain not mentioned have reinforced (laughs) this, that if you're in the gym for eight hours a day, somehow that can equate to really not the case, especially for women. You know, we just do not lose weight with exercise. We don't, but maintenance, it is critically important. So if I can lay the foundation and build the habits, which take a while to build, during the weight loss journey, I know I'm going to help them maintain better too. Right. I think this segues perfectly into, we keep mentioning women and that they do struggle a little more with quick scale success. What are some of your conversations around these women who literally are out there, they are moving, they are eating healthy, their calories look low. You can look at their food logs you know, and you're like, we are getting mostly accurate information and yet the scale is still not budging. Yeah. And, and just so you know, for, you know, for women out there struggling like that, it kind of pisses me off that when doctors say, oh, you must be eating more than you're saying, you must not be telling me this. I know that my patients are telling me the truth, right? They're not paying me to pull a fast one on me. They may have a little bit of calorie amnesia if they're not keeping a food journal, but they're not, they're not keeping things from me. Right. So, you know, I I think that it frustrates me with the traditional medical system that they often just assume that people aren't trying hard enough or are, are somehow sneaking donuts. And do I have those patients? Absolutely. I do, but it's not the majority of them. Um, You know, I think it's, it's, again, it's, it's, I always believe that knowledge is power for people, you know? And um, so for women, you know, I think perimenopause, which is what I'm in right now. Um, so pre, peri, and post. Um, premenopause, which starts anywhere 40 up, it could start, you know, 43 to 47 is probably the average. So that's premenopause. I think it starts getting tough. Perimenopause sucks. It is the absolute worst time of life for a woman in terms of weight and the scale, because hormones are fluctuating considerably. That's very stressful to the body. And it also causes metabolic abnormalities that make it much harder to lose weight, specifically insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, I, uh, the good news is that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Once women get through menopause, it becomes easier again. It's not like you can go back to eating like you did in your 20s, but the insulin resistance and the cortisol and all these things that make weight loss so damn hard, you know, are better when postmenopausal. My postmenopausal patients do much better than my peri. Perimenopause is the worst. So if you're, Hmm. I would say 47 to 52, you know, I, 
that's where I'm I am. No. <laughs> You're pretty much screwed. Yeah. No, but that's where I am. My my counseling becomes much different. And 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 it it is about, you know, most people I'm an old mom, so I have, you know, I'm 51. I have a seven year old and an eleven year old. I had my first kid at 40, second at 44. But for most women in perimenopause, the kids are out of the house or nearing out of the house. So they maybe do have more time to slow down and do these things that, you know. I'm really much more focused on lifestyle with women uh, in perimenopause. So sleep, you know, and, and this is something that I struggle with. It's the bane of my existence. Stress management. For me, exercise is how I, stress management, not meditation. But I'm, de- I mean, if it's meditation, if you can do a five minute app every morning and just calm yourself or during the day, you know, it's, it's, you know, lifestyle movement, building in as much neat as possible, non-exercise adaptive thermogenesis, you know, being real with them. That's, I'm starting a new podcast too, actually. So maybe we can, we can flip around. You can come on mine. It's called Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina. And, and, but so these practical things, um, you know, I, I don't BS them. You are never going to be able to eat like you did in your 20s. So get over it and figure out how to make it work. You don't have to cut everything. I mean, I hate these menopause experts who are like, you have to cut sugar and dairy and caffeine and alcohol and gluten and soy. And and it's like, what the, of course they lose weight because there's five things they can eat, you know? Um, <laughs> but you do have, I, I do really believe that, you have to cut back on carbs. No, you don't have to cut them completely, but yeah. because of the insulin resistance that happens. So you, you have to cut back on carbs in some way. You can't have, you know, bread at every meal. I, I you know, um, so that's one thing I think is really important. I think strength training is critically important. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, for building muscle, muscle is going to help you maintain and it's going to help you with insulin resistance, regardless of the number on the scale. And by the way, that's another, I guess I'm not so pro scale after all. I keep saying why I'm not. Um, <laughs> because that's another thing. If I'm starting a woman perimenopause on a resistance training program, yeah. I am specifically telling her not to get on the scale because guess what? Muscle's going to go up while fat goes down. So the weight's going to stay the same, but it's a good thing. Body composition change is a good thing. So, you know, more lifestyle movement, more lifestyle activities, stress management, cutting back on the carbs somewhat, incorporating resistance training. Uh, You know, I'm on the fence with bioidentical hormones or anything like that, Um, but I do use natural supplements. So if you're suffering from things like night flashes, which are impairing your uh, heat, you know, heat, hot flashes at night mm-hmm. or night sweats. There's natural supplements starting with things more natural uh, for, for menopausal symptoms. And if that's really not working, I mean, then I would recommend going to, you know, a doctor that's trained in hormones or even, you know, there's low dose antidepressants for night sweats that, that actually are effective. So people really need to be their own advocates in this and in, in getting help if they need it, things are going to change a little bit. But that's why I, I really do. I don't like to eat like I mean, I, I did it for my TV show. I interviewed the woman who wrote French women don't get fat. And I spent mm-hmm. some time at her house and like, she serves little bird like portions. And I'm like, this is not a meal. This is not breakfast <laughs> for me. You know what I mean? Uh, I lived in France for a while, but I am not a French woman. And, um, you know, so I, th- I think you do have to cut calories. Or you can burn more because I'm somebody who could never be full on 1200 calories a day. So I, I, I don't like 
I don't have the time to do 90 minutes of workouts, but I do have the time to walk around my office and, and, you know, I count, I love my Apple watch. I really do. It's, it's a game changer for me. And I, I don't work for Apple. <laughs> um, it's not an endorsement, but for me, you know, making sure that I stand up every hour. I like those reminders. I don't like the breathing reminders. I know I'm breathing, but, and, and just paying attention to my step counts. And I do look at that for patients. I look at their data. I'm like pushing them again, being realistic. If they're starting at 4,000, I'm not going to tell them to get 10,000 tomorrow. I'm going to say, let's go up by 500 steps or a thousand. And let's see, how can you do that? Really do walk around your house at night while you're talking on the phone to your best friend. I don't care, but small, realistic things that you can really do on a long-term basis. Yes. My goodness. We are so on the same page. I'm loving this. I still have more questions around, you know, this insulin resistance and what we're up against. I am a firm believer that there's this equation, you know, that food has to be part of it. Fitness has to be part of it. And then sometimes I believe that I'm going to insert supplement or medication needs to be part of it in order to get success. And one of my examples with that is like women with polycystic ovary syndrome. I really believe that if we don't have that metformin or that, that drug there, that's going to help, then they're always fighting this uphill battle of where they could be seeing results. And there's always this piece of me that thinks, is that the case, you know, for if we are battling insulin resistance, is it really just eating and monitoring our carbs, eating less carbs, monitoring our carbs, or is there a time in a phase in our life where we should be considering some other supplement or medication? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, again, it, it's very it's very individualized. I mean, and I also think it depends on your level of motivation and commitment, because I do have uh, patients with PCOS that, uh, you know, if they're very motivated that I can get away without metformin, but I also don't want them to think of it as a sign of weakness, you know, which a lot of people are like, Oh no, I should be able to do this naturally. Your body for some, especially, especially PCOS and, and, and women who are, I would say with somebody who's perimenopausal with a strong family history of diabetes, there is clearly a genetic component there. So they, they really may be fighting an uphill battle. If it's somebody that was, you know, so this is, if it was somebody that was thin their whole life and then comes in and is struggling with menopausal weight gain, perimenopausal, you know, I'm going to push them a little bit more on diet and exercise first and lifestyle and, and then ease in. I do the same thing, ease into supplements. There's some great supplements out there. It's also a very challenging field to navigate, obviously, because it's not tightly regulated or researched necessarily. Um, so I do only, you know, physician grade supplements that are at least tested. So, you know, what's in the bottle is what they say is in the bottle is actually in the bottle, but you know, um, I, I, I think PCOS is a different beast because there is clearly a genetic component and also a hormonal component that really isn't under your control as much. Metformin is, I, I, I pull the trigger a lot faster in those patients with metformin. Um, with perimenopausal women, much less so. Metformin is really down the line for me. And, and the other thing is that the metformin is really not going to help them significantly with weight loss. And so, you know, most women, again, are just married to the scale. They're like, well, why am I taking a medication if I lost like three pounds in the last four months? They don't understand the concept that I'm improving the metabolic, you know, environment in their body, their ability to break down fat, um, yeah. but they still have to do the work. It is in a, and this is a thing where I, I revert to pills, you know, prescription medication much later in my practice because 
I need them to do the work first. They do not work on their own, but certainly there is a role for that. Uh, and I'm much, I am much more aggressive with supplements than traditional doctors and like the obesity society frowns on supplement use. They say that no doctor that's, you know, legitimate in obesity medicine uses them. Well, I've been using them for 20 years in my practice and I think I'm pretty legit. <laughs> the medical establishment is very quick to poo poo. By the way, most of them don't use diet either. They're just putting people on pills and shakes. I'm teaching them how to eat, to use food as medicine, food to control insulin resistance. And by the way, it's a lot lot more than just cutting back on carbs. I mean, I think, you know, really eating an anti-inflammatory diet, which I've been talking about for 10 years now, and now it's cool all of a sudden, um, mm -hmm. can really, really help. But again, you don't have to be perfect. It's all about balance. So another thing that I do is I eat a bunch of vegetables every night for dinner because I find them really, unless I take the time to go out for a salad, it's hard to get them in the rest of the day. And again, because I'm not cooking and meal prepping a lot, you know, but so these things where I ba I'm balanced balancing out my sugar and take my alcohol, I am always getting, I mean, 95% of the time, I'm getting probably three cups of vegetables at night. And I make them taste good, by the way. I'll do broccoli with freshly grated Parmesan. You know, you don't have to be like boiled chicken and steamed broccoli. You know, I mean, right. food should taste good too. Lean you know? and green only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Lean, lean and green. It's like, yeah, really lean and green and boring, you know, but, <laughs> and that's where herbs and spices again come in, which, you know, shout out to my book, you know, herbs and spices can make things taste better. And by the way, Many of them help with metabolic syndrome, help with belly fat. There's a study showing that cumin can help reduce belly fat. So I will throw it in, I throw cumin. I love the taste of it. I put it in guacamole. I put it in soups. I put it in chili. That helps with belly fat, with visceral fat, with insulin resistance, cinnamon, ginger, cayenne. Um, they all, you I mean, and then spices that help with the gut biome, herbs, oregano, the gut, you know, really is, helps a lot with insulin resistance. So fish twice a week. There's just, there's so many little things that you can do. And I, I do talk a lot about that in my book is, you know, the keys to an anti-inflammatory diet, which equates to a diet for insulin resistance. And it's not just about carbs. If you just cut carbs and did nothing else right, you're probably not going to be that successful long-term in your weight management or in your health journey. So, you know, you really have to look at the whole picture. I need your book. I definitely feel like this is one of those things when people hear the why behind why it's important. Why is your cinnamon going in your coffee? Why are the herbs and spices getting added to everything? And just like you're starting to describe, because they have true significance, even just when you look at the eating the color of the rainbow and what which each color of each food starts to provide for us. And I love teaching kids about this because when you look at food that way, you take away the calorie component. Right. You take away, you're like, if I can reduce the risk of Alzheimer's by X percent, because I'm eating this or because I'm fitting in workouts, my motivation for that is like, whoo, right. let's do it versus I'm going to go burn 200 calories. <laughs> right. And that comes into the like precision nutrition, by the way, too, because like you have to speak to people where, where it counts. You know, if you have a yeah. family history of breast cancer, rosemary and thyme can help you with that. And you're going to be more likely to find ways of incorporating, if Alzheimer's is an issue, then turmeric, you know? I mean, yeah. so it's, it, you, you find your own, this is personalize it 
for yourself. And this is, this is, you're right. I, I'm a hundred percent believer in knowledge is power. And, and you should see my kids. It's they're they're so, especially my seven year old. He's, he's like, strawberries are nature's candy, mommy. I'm like, yeah. good job, Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah. Man, that's generation changing right there because they're going to be saying it to their kids and so on. Tell us why did, why did you start writing in the first place? I mean, you're five books in at this point. Where was the passion? Where did that start? Um, I'm a fool. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) You know, I wrote my first, I wrote my first book in 2006, 2000, released it in 2007, because I had just spent a year of my life interviewing. So the TV show that I did was called Fit TV's Diet Doctor. And each episode, I interviewed a different diet book author. Go and interview Barry Sears, who wrote The Zone. And I talked to him about the why. And then I would come back to San Francisco and put one person on a version of that diet and go grocery shopping with them, go through their cabinets, clean them out, do all this stuff. And I realized that every single episode, I was saying, this is why I agree with the diet, but, and there was always a but, and there was always, I felt like there was a way that I could do it better. So mm-hmm. my, I, and also more practical because I feel like a lot of these popular, like the whole 30, no disrespect, but there is no freaking way I could do that for 30 days. I don't even think I could do it for one day, honestly, but whatever, that's me. Kept finding myself modifying every diet to make it more realistic. So my first book was called the no time to lose diet, the busy person's guide to permanent weight loss. And I took the knowledge and and really made it livable. And and each chapter, I loved that book so much. It didn't do well, Um, but I read it now and it is still 100% spot on. I agree with everything that I wrote in 2006. Nothing has changed. I mean, I've added to it, focusing more on inflammation and insulin resistance. But even back then in my first book, I developed a carbohydrate calculator so that people could personalize their level of carbohydrates to their age, their sex, their activity level, their family history. So, I mean, I was doing this back in 2006, you know, and now we're understanding that more personalized precision. So that was the first book. The second book is called The Calendar Diet because I got, I really started realizing that that there was people, there's two reasons people face different challenges every month based on the holidays, the food availability, the activity level. Mm -hmm. So I felt like really having not only you know, customize each month. Hey, here's what to do Super Bowl Sunday. Here's 10 quick, easy things that you can do to have a better Super Bowl spread. And also the idea of eating seasonally, which I think is different in this country. We don't necessarily think about it because everything's available year round. So that was the second book. It was because I was practicing and and doing all this and and doing a lot of media and, and talking about this and doing segments. I'm like, you know, I was translating everything that was going on in my life and my clinical experience to books, but nothing that I ever did was gimmicky. And so none of my books were breakout bestsellers because it wasn't like lose 10 pounds in 10 days. This is actually building the habit, small changes add up, and that doesn't sell books. It really doesn't. So every book has just been a labor of love and passion, but I think there's a lot to learn from all of them. And I'm really proud of them, you know, even though Five people read most of it. No. <laughs> oh, stop. No, that kidding. is one of those things that that is amazing, especially nutrition and how it's this like ever evolving. We can barely stay up on it and we're in the line of business for you to be able to look back at your books and say, it's all still valid. It is relevant, valid, like 
still holds true is awesome. And I think that this is just our cross to bear is that we are in a profession that people want fast. And of course we want quick, fun results and we're just forever going to battle that. And it's okay. Like I've kind of settled into that too, that if, if it's one person who can walk away today with a little token and nugget that will help them change. And I just had, I actually have a physician that I do consults with and he was like, tell me your biggest success story. And I was like, I, this is not going to be glitzy or glamorous for you. It is right. that my clients who I've had for five or 10 years can tell me that they have a changed mindset, that they look back mm-hmm. and they're a different person than they were before. And I was like, that's not going to sell. It's not going to sell books. It's not going to sell even consults, but like, that's the truth. That's my happy spot is if we can right. shift the brain and, and yeah. do the slow and steady. <laughs> that reminds me of one more quick, funny story about Regis rest and, you know, rest, but I did a segment once and it was really about small changes adding up. Like, I can't remember what holiday it was, but it was, and, and one of them, you know, I was like, and you could save a hundred calories, not that I like to focus on calories, but you know, in practical ways I do. And he's like, but that's only, that's two pounds a year. And I'm like, yeah, but it's cha- It's small habits adding up. I'm not saying that this one thing is going to get you in your skinny jeans, Regis. Yeah. He's like, what? I two pounds a year? Who cares? I'm like, yeah. it's, cumulative. it's it's the it's the cumulative effect. I promise this works, you know. But I love yes. that. I love changing the mindset. Is if you and if you don't do that, you don't succeed. Period. You, you really right. don't. You're forever battling the ups and downs. And again, that's where I just give you huge props, kudos that you're living in maintenance because it's hard. It's, it is daily effort. And, but it's also expectations. If we can get each one of our clients to settle into realistic expectations, then the journey can actually be enjoyable versus we don't have to fight it every step of the way. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Okay. Where can our listeners find you? Where's the best place to seek you out? Uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I try to do Instagram. I'm not very good at it, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I have a website, drmelina.com where they can find out, you know, kind of what I'm up to. You know, I do uh, face, uh, Facebook and Instagram, you know, Dr. Melina, D-R-M-E-L-I-N-A. And then, you know, I, I try to like post, you know, TV appearances and blog posts on, on both of those outlets. I'm not as good at keeping a calendar on my website, but, um, you can track me down. I pop up everywhere. I don't know. I, you know, I do a lot of podcasts, a lot of magazine interviews, a lot of television, you know, so, but I'm not really good at being organized about letting people know, but, um, follow me on Facebook and Instagram and you'll at least know, you know, what I'm doing media wise. And, and I'm also really trying to get better about, you know, being the voice of reason on Instagram. I am so tired of reading these posts that we all need to cut everything if we're menopausal or hypothyroid. And I, I'm just, I, I'm committed to trying small changes add up. I'm going to try to do, you know, semi-regular posts dispelling some of these myths because I'm just so tired of seeing it in these extremes that are heavily promoted. And there, there's no conversation about what the real person can do who likes sugar. And I don't think I'm addicted and I don't need to do a detox. I just need to maybe cut back on sugar for a few days. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, come on, get real. <laughs> yes. No, we need big voices like yours out there. And that's why I'm thrilled about your podcast as well. Tell us again, is it released or you're about to release? It's going to be released November 3rd. So okay. everywhere you listen to podcasts and it's called practically healthy um, yes. by Dr. Molina. So yeah, actually, 
that's going to be really fun because I'm going to have experts on that I challenge with their recommendations that I don't, I mean, I'll do it in a nice way, I promise, with a little bit of humor, <laughs> but I'm not just going to accept, you know, I, I already recorded my first one and, you know, she's a, she does a soup cleanse and everything and she's talking about how many hours it, and I'm like, okay, okay, back up here. <laughs> we got to do this for the busy mom. If I buy a box of soup, what can I add to make it healthier? Cause I, you know, what spices and herbs. So I am going to push back on people. You know, I'm having, uh, you know, I mean, my friend Randy Jackson is going to come on the podcast. We're going to have a real conversation about what he actually does, not the celebrity version of it. Yes. You know, I'm going to have, you know, people that I don't experts, doctors that I don't necessarily agree with, and yeah. I'm going to let them say their piece. And then I'm going to say my piece. <laughs> so I, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be, be amazing. I will be yeah. listening. And, awesome. Uh, I'm excited. Being in the hot seat sounds fun, but maybe, maybe scary. <laughs> I well, I think you and I agree more than we disagree. So I, I think, think so you know, too. what, what, like if I was talking to you, we would really focus on practical tips, like, you know, a, a back and forth exchange for things that have worked. You know, you have a more extensive experience with post gastric bypass patients. So maybe we'd talk about that, you know, sports yeah. and the gym. There's so much cool stuff to talk about. That's why, you know, I, I love talking to people and I, and I know a lot of people, you know, that regular or not, but it's just talking to, you know, people with an opinion. I think for you, listeners would really get a lot of like actionable, practical things that they could do. And maybe you're going to, maybe I would learn from it too. You know, I feel like the more I know in this journey of nutrition and weight loss, the less I know. I mean, it's been very yeah. humbling the last 22 years now because there's just, I, I just, I want to keep learning. I want to keep getting ideas. Mm -hmm. I want to keep getting quick tips to help people or slow tips. If you're a foodie, maybe you know how to cook better than I do. And you can give people some ideas for people who actually know how to cook, you know? <laughs> um, so that that's kind of the idea. So I am super excited about it being practically healthy, you know, uh, your title's amazing. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Yes. As we send you out here, I always like to ask this question. What is something that you would wrap your arms around our listeners? Maybe it's even words of advice that you give your children before they walk out the door, or maybe it's to clients before they walk out the door. What's kind of your one thing that if you could just pour your love over them? My favorite saying in the whole world is failure does not lie in falling down. It lies in staying down. Mm -hmm. So we're all going to fail it's what you do. Don't beat yourself up for failing. It's what you do after that, that defines you. And that's what I want my kids to learn. That's what I think everybody can benefit from is really keeping that mantra in mind. So, you know, that, that's, that's it for me. That's kind of my, my, what I, what I live by and what I want my children to move forward in life, you know, not beating themselves up for failing, but how picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and finding out how you can do better next time. Thank you. That was beautiful. Wonderful. Oh, My pleasure. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you. We're so spoiled <laughs> today, Melena. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. It was really fun. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you, or you can picture that exact person who needed this. I'm always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2021 the year that we are going to pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also always appreciate it when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open-minded to new information, 
keeping an open mind to the fact that our journey will look different now and in five years from now, slow and steady, y'all. It's not always instant gratification and not always that exciting, but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all the years and every season of life. I cannot wait to catch up next Friday. Cheers to health and happiness.